What would you do if money was no object? What more would you long for? What if you believed you had everything you needed to be rich starting today? That it's more of a decision you get to make and less of a status you're given? What if you're actually missing out on the more in life because you're concerned about having too little? Lots of people want to know how to get rich, but it's more fulfilling to be rich. What's going on, Crossroads family? My name is Yu Ryan, and whether you're joining us on our campus or online, it's great to have you with us for our series, Be Rich. Question for you. Do you treat things you own differently than the things you don't? Let me ask you a simpler question. Do you squeegee the shower door when renting an Airbnb? Yeah, I, I didn't think so. The fact is we behave differently with the things when we own them, but we still have a responsibility to care for the things on loan to us. This might be a surprise to some, but as Christians, we're not the owner of the resources we have. God is. So if that's true, what's our role? And how should we behave with this money or things that don't actually belong to us? Today, we'll see how acknowledging God as the owner actually leads to a richer life. But right now, let's welcome up Pastor Lauren Janetsky. Hello, everyone. Have you ever seen the show Hoarders? Man, it is so intense, and I am so intrigued by it. It's a reality TV show about people who get stuck in the mindset that they don't have enough. Not only do they have to keep everything that they have, but they have a compulsion to buy more and more. And what happens is this compulsion is based on something deeply emotional happening inside of them. It might be a sadness or an insecurity that breeds and develop, and it actually splinters families, relationships, and they literally stop living, being stuck. Compulsive hoarding is a mental disorder that marked by an obsessive need to acquire and keep things, even if the items are worthless, hazardous, or unsanitary. More than three million people are hoarders. I wanna talk about one hoarder in particular named Dawn. Dawn lives with her husband and her two teenage daughters. They moved into their home six years ago and in her words, this house seemed so big. But something changed inside of her that shifted her entire way of life and thinking. Right now, her daughter Ashley sees their house as a giant trash can. That's right. And so Dawn is so raw in this story because she wants the best for her daughters and her family. She's tried to do it on her own, but she gets stuck in this cycle and she just can't get out of it. What is more, what happened to Dawn is that in 9-11, she lost her cousin, a firefighter, there in the Twin Towers. And this left a deep ache inside of her soul. And she got stuck and then eventually developed this compulsive habit. We've all experienced loss in some way, right? Maybe we haven't had our home turn into a hoarder's house, but can anybody identify with me that during COVID, you went out and bought an extra roll of toilet paper? Can I see some hands out there? I did. And then I'm out there buying toilet paper and I see all the shelves are like emptying of canned goods. And I think I, think I better buy a bunch of those too. COVID changed us. We think that there might not be enough. 
So even if we aren't like this, we all have a little bit of a hoarder inside of us. And did you guys see that overall response during COVID of fear, right? That fear, and maybe you were not afraid of stuff, but maybe you were afraid you weren't gonna get enough money. And so you stopped spending or you stopped giving. Before we judge Dawn too harshly or think I would never let it get that far, we can all relate to this statement. We are afraid there's not gonna be enough for me. I'm watching a lot of people who follow Christ. The creator of the entire universe, the one who sustains our life and our breath, live like Dawn as if they don't have enough and have no idea that their home is filled with silk plants that they can't part with. I can identify. For me, it's my time. How do I allocate it? What do I invest it in? All of my close people, my husband, my best friend, they're all quality time people. And I get this mentality that I'm not gonna have enough to give to everyone, so what do I do? I, I hoard my time. And so I'm not free with it. Even in planning this sermon that I'm preaching to you right now, I was afraid I wasn't gonna have enough time blocked out in order to prepare for this. And I actually had a few freak out moments, gonna be honest. What about you and your relationship with your kids? Maybe they wanna tell you every single detail of their Minecraft game, the YouTube video they just watched, or the conversation they had between friends at school. And you think to yourself, can you just please hurry up? I only have two more minutes to go. It might not be your time. It might be those bills that are stacking up. We just came through a heat wave, and you might have received an electric bill for like $500. And so you're like, not only do I not have enough for all my other bills, but now I have this one on top of it. Or you might be a hoarder in your friendships, right? That, that friend of yours that you see on social media who has spent time with other friends and you start to feel a little jealous and you're like, I just want to hoard that person for myself. This causes an ache in us, an insecurity. We all do this in some way or another. I want to take you through an answer to this ache, an answer to the fact that we are afraid there's not going to be enough for me. Matthew, one of Jesus' disciples, shares several stories about the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is actually referring to right here now on earth, and it's something we can experience now, and it is something we look forward to as it will be completed in the future. So we are part of this journey of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus uses parables or stories to explain what he's doing because he got so many questions. This is his way of helping us understand. The Bible Project puts this story in context with this quote. This is the story that Jesus is telling as he rides into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, reenacting the return of God of Israel to Jerusalem after his long time away in Israel's exile. And Jesus goes to the temple and announces that its leaders have squandered their opportunity to lead the people of Israel, so he's taking over. Jesus came to redeem the Jewish leadership. They were given opportunities, they were given abilities, they were given amazing financial means, and they were not faithful with it. Therefore, Jesus invites us today to be a part of his kingdom work here on earth that he started so many years ago. Let's pray as we enter into this story. Jesus, we thank you so much that your word comes alive to us and that we can see your work here 
And I pray that you would make room in our hearts for the Holy Spirit to speak to us through this parable. And I thank you for each person sitting here and online, and I pray that you would minister to them in a way that is fresh because it's from you. In Jesus' name, amen. So the story I'm highlighting today is from Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 14. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. Then he left on his trip. Interesting to note that the master gave according to their skill or abilities. They all got a different amount. This might seem unfair for us, but then when we really look at it, the master knew his people. He knew what they could handle based on their past experience. He watched them choose opportunities and go after them and risk, or he watched them choose to be stagnant and not take risk. So he knows what they're capable of. He doles out the money according to this knowledge, and then he takes off. Verse 16, the servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. I imagine this third servant sort of like our hoarder, Dawn. She was given opportunities with her house, with her family, but she did not choose to capitalize on these things, and she ended up living in fear and getting stuck. Therefore, we see that before the master even returns, it plays out exactly as he had given the goods. He knew ahead of time how each one would act in his absence. He knew what they were going to do when nobody was monitoring them. There was no accountability. There was absolute freedom with the stuff that he had given. And it was their choice to respond out of purpose or out of fear. Verse 19, after a long time, the master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used the money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five bags more, and he said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest. I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling the small amount. Now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. So let's look at that. You've been faithful in handling the small amount. Now I'm going to give you more responsibilities? This isn't just about money, is it? This is true in all areas of our lives. God will resource the potential of your life. Parents, you can relate to this with kids and their opportunity, right? You give them little responsibilities like chores and expectations, and as they're faithful with it, you give them more. So the teenager who asks to have an extended curfew is much more likely to be granted it if they've been faithful in arriving home on time every night up to this point. Or the child who asks for a larger allowance is much more likely to be granted it if they've been faithful in doing all their chores consistently. Luke, another disciple, confirms this exact same thing with Jesus' words. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, 
You won't be honest with greater responsibilities. Again, this isn't just about money, though it includes money. When I lead parents through our child dedication class, I teach them about the biblical responsibility they have to teach their kids about the Lord, to raise them in Jesus. Parents, you are the stewards of your children, but they actually do not belong to you. They belong to God, and he has entrusted them to you to care for them, to help them, and to lead them on their journey. This is also true about our career, how we handle the small things, the day-to-day -day decisions in our workplace. And if we're honest, a big one is about our body. The Apostle Paul talks about this one. He says, don't you realize your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you, who is given to you by God? He says, you do not belong to yourself. We don't own this. This should cause us to be gracious with our bodies. Yes, of course, eating right and exercising. But how do you treat yourself? What intrusive negative thoughts do you allow inside your mind and then to impact your body physically? And are you disciplined mentally? Paul also writes, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. We have been entrusted with so much. Let's see what happens to the second servant. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest. I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. The servant admitted something we all struggle with, fear. At the beginning, I, I said, we are afraid there's not going to be enough for me. Dawn, the hoarder, was afraid of losing all of her stuff. So she buried it. She hid it in her home. She literally closed all the blinds and the doors and didn't let anybody see what was buried inside. Her actions of closing the windows and the doors, as well as the third servant's actions of burying the talent, actually show that deep down the two of them knew what they were supposed to do with their things, but they did not do it. They responded out of fear. Let's look from the perspective of the servant. He did what he did because he was scared, and he didn't want to disappoint the master. He says he watched the master harvest crops where he didn't plant and gather where he didn't cultivate. He saw that when opportunities came to him, therefore, the master actually did those things. He took the opportunity. He put in the hard work. And therefore, the master, because he put in the hard work and he did what was in front of him, he expected his servants, his followers, to do the same thing and to follow after him in like fashion. But the servant was afraid to take a risk with it. He was afraid of this responsibility it brought, and he was afraid of the master himself. 
Verse 26, but the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops where I didn't plant and gathered crops that I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit the money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Let's look from the perspective of the master. As I shared before, this master was engaged with his people. The first two had proven track records. They listened. They did what they were supposed to do. They followed through. Therefore, they were given more. The third servant, he was also known by the master, and he was given one talent. Yet the master still gave him one talent. The master still gave him an opportunity. And then the servant proved again what he had done in the past. He was lazy. He didn't have the initiative. He lacked follow-through on his commitments. He wasn't even willing to do more. He wasn't even willing to put the money in the bank, the smallest, tiniest amount. He proved himself again failing to do right with what the master had entrusted to him. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant, give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Notice he gave it to the one with the 10 bags, right? The one who had doubled from five to 10. He didn't give it to the one with the four bags. He gave more to the one with the most. God wants us to take risks for him. And when we do this, we honor the master because it comes from him in the first place. Verse 30, now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The end of this story is a seemingly harsh punishment of the servant. He was deemed utterly useless. I believe he had been given multiple opportunities time and again to prove that he had worth. And he didn't do anything according to his purpose. God also refers to the people like this third servant as sons of Belial. These people are worthless, they're wicked, and actually perverse. He deems these as worse than sinners. They have become useless. There's obviously a huge point that God is making here. Throughout scripture from the very beginning of time with Adam and Eve, God wants our lives to have meaning and purpose in all areas, not just in the things of God and the spiritual things. He cares about everything about our life. He cares about the work that we do on a day-to-day basis. He cares about the efforts that we put in. He cares about those goals that we have that we are pursuing after. He cares about the dreams that we can't even barely conceive, but there are a vision out there. He cares about those things. He cares about how we use our time and our money. He cares about the things that we're pursuing. He cares, and he wants us to embrace our purpose in all of these things with these opportunities that we have been given. If there's one thing for you to take away from all of this this morning, it is this. In God, there is abundance. He has given us opportunity and freedom to use this abundance to the best of our ability for a rich and satisfying life right here. John 10.10 says, 
The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. When we believe that there is not enough for me, we are succumbing to the purpose that the thief has. We're succumbing to that steal, kill, and destroy. And we left burying our talent and hiding it in a deep place. Yet when we boldly risk and we take opportunities, we follow his purpose. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is about accepting this invitation to be part of what Jesus is doing here on earth today. And the measure of a rich and satisfying life is not this accumulation and getting all this stuff, but it is the donation, the giving, the freedom. It is not represented by hoarding and keeping things for ourselves. It's met by risking and living out our purpose. So my question to you is pretty simple. How do you want to live your life? The story makes it pretty practical. Either take what you've been given, use it in a place of purpose, or hoard and bury and be afraid. Yet doing this in all areas, that's kind of a daunting task. And sometimes it requires help from others. Dawn actually, Dawn our hoarder, actually allowed a clinical psychologist to come in and help her deal with her fear, which was expressed in hoarding. Dr. Hannon understands this deep ache in her soul from 9-11. And he works with her because she went into a major depression after that. And then, as coming out of it, it resulted in that habit, this compulsion. And that's so understandable. 9-11 changed everyone, especially those who lost someone. Yet when Dr. Hannon gave her the opportunity to choose something different, Guess what? It was based on others. It was based on her children and her family and wanting a better life for them. She wanted to change her behavior to make this happen. So she had to make this choice to live a different purpose. A team of professionals actually came in and Dr. Hannon explained she might start feeling anxious or angry or even annoyed. And those things are normal. But to work through those things, then it finally happens. Her house does become clean. She had this moment with her family sitting at the table that they hadn't had in years, and they were able to make dinner together for the first time. And following the show, she continued with a therapist on her journey. So how about us? Are we ready to let go of the things that we are hoarding? What if we did this with our finances? What if we were free and able to give and to spend, not worried, we, have, we often think that when we keep things for ourselves, it's better, but it's the opposite. It's when we give. My parents helped me see financial principles from a very young age. They helped me understand that when you save 10% of all your income and you tithe or give 10% of your income, you actually get to spend 80%, and that's an amazing amount of money. And so... When I was little, I developed this into a habit that still persists today. I'm extremely disciplined with it. And honestly, I don't have warm, fuzzy feelings about saving and giving. That's not me. I'm, I'm a disciplined girl. And some people do have those amazing feelings. And I love that. But guess what? I still get the reward of the freedom that comes from living in that habit. 
I still get that helper's high that Pastor Chuck talked about last week because I'm free and I get to have what God has entrusted to me and I'm disciplined with it. We're all invited to do this. In two weeks on October 24th, we're gonna give away half of our offering as a church, Crossroads. And this is not a small amount of money. We're talking thousands of dollars given to our community, to specific local organizations to help make an impact in the world around us. I'm excited about this and I wanna invite you guys to be a part of this. It's not just about the church and about the impact, it's about your relationship with God and about you releasing what he has given you to do amazing things in our world. Now let's talk about our time. As I shared, this one's a little harder for me. This is where I get a little afraid, and guess what? Worry and anxiety starts to creep in. And as I shared, it takes me to a place of unhealth mentally and even physically. Nerves take over that freedom that God has given me. And I have to be choose to be disciplined with this. And I need others around me to help me be free with it. I need those closest to me to hold me accountable, just as Dawn needs people to hold her accountable to be free with her things. I need to be free with my time. Thirdly, abilities. What abilities has God entrusted to you? Are you hoarding them? Do you like to hoard all of your ideas and not share them? How about your compassion, keep it inside? Your ability to teach? Lead, make music, surf, organize, all the things. What do you do with the things, the abilities God has entrusted to you? I want to challenge those of you who are not volunteering to step out and actually serve God here at Crossroads. We need people in kids' ministry all the time, anytime, next generation ministries, greeters, worship and creative arts. I'm going to call out to you today to go to crossroadschurch.family, click on next step. It's really not hard to just click a few buttons, sign up, and say, God, please use what I have to bless others, and I want to give out of my abilities. Make it happen. If we truly trust God, there's always going to be enough, because we are the steward and he is the owner. What a peaceful way of living this is. There will always be enough time. There will always be enough money. There will always be enough ability. Because God will provide. I want to invite you to do something with me right now, everyone. Whether you're in the room or watching online. I'm going to invite everybody to just simply rest and close your eyes with me together. Relax your hands, relax your body, and take a deep breath. I want you to think about the one thing that God has been speaking to you about through this message. You know what that one thing is. It's been popping up in your mind as the Spirit is speaking to you. He's been interrupting your mind, your thoughts with something, an opportunity, something to give to, somewhere to spend your time, and he keeps coming back. 
And I want you to take a deep breath and just focus on that one thing. God has given you an ability and he's asking you right now to do something with it. Now I want you to imagine boldly stepping into doing something towards that one thing. It might be something easy to measure, like a once a week date, date day with your kids or giving 10% of your money. Or it might be something more messy and complicated, like having a conversation with your boss about a next step in your organization or company. Or it might be about giving a chunk of your time you're afraid to let go of. But no matter what it is, I want you to imagine what doing this one thing would bring afterwards. What word comes to mind if you actually carry out the thing that is in your mind in front of you? The word that comes to my mind is peace. Peace. Freedom. Maybe excitement. Unhindered. Relaxed. Now keeping your eyes closed, I just want you to walk with me and imagine something else. I want you to imagine the opposite. I want you to imagine keeping the thing that God is speaking to you about right now for yourself. I want you to imagine holding it inside of your heart and not telling anyone about it not risking anything with it, not stepping out in faith with it. Take a deep breath. Now what word comes to mind of not doing something with that thing? Maybe it's anxiety or regret comes to my mind. Sadness, unfulfilled longing even loss. As your eyes are closed, I want you to let you know that doing the thing that God asks of you is not always easy. It's uncomfortable. It takes risk. It takes time. It takes energy. As the master exemplified in the story, he had to work really, really hard. But right now, I want to pray over you in this one thing that you are committing to God. We ask you, O oh Lord, as master over everything, to show us how to take a next step in this thing. God, you have given us something daunting, a huge responsibility that feels weighty. And we feel inadequate to do what you have placed in front of us, and we are afraid of not having enough. But God, by your grace and by your mercy, you have given us confidence to do this. And so I claim this confidence for each person here in Jesus' name, that they would boldly risk and seek hard after you in this thing and that they would not be held back by anything in their way, that they would not get distracted 
that the thing in front of them would not be pushing them from this thing, but would be pushing them towards this thing. And we ask in your name that families would be restored, the finances would be just multiplied, that time would be no object, the energy would be filled from the, from our, from the fullest inside of us. We give you our bodies, we give you our time, we give you this thing in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. And as peaceful as you feel and as many of us feel in the room, having given that thing over to God, I also know that there are some here who do not know the master. They do not have a relationship with him. And for some, they are afraid like the third servant and they see the master God as a harsh man. They're afraid of his punishment. They're afraid of disappointing him. And they have not yet surrendered their soul. They have buried what's inside of them deep and they have not let it go. But in order to enter a relationship with the master, we have to come to grips with the fact that we are a sinner and that we have done wrong things, we have thought wrong things, and we have to ask for forgiveness. But the only person who can give us that forgiveness is God in his mercy sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sin, to break his body, to shed his blood, and to give us an opportunity to enter a relationship because on our own, we cannot achieve that standard of perfection that God requires. But through Jesus, who paid that price for our sin, we can enter that relationship. So in a minute, I'm gonna offer another prayer. And this prayer is for anyone who wants to become part of the family of God, who wants to say, I'm sorry for the bad things that I've done and enter a relationship with God. And after I pray, I'm gonna ask those of you online and in the room to do something bold. Online, make it known, and in this room, when I invite everybody to stand and sing, I'm gonna invite those of you who are making the decision to enter a relationship with the master to walk forward down one of these aisles, coming all the way to the front to be greeted here and to be welcomed into our living room where a loving counselor will guide you in this decision. This takes risk and it takes boldness. And you can bring somebody next to you, even if you don't know them, drag them along. But right now, I wanna invite everybody again to just close your eyes and let's pray together. Those of you who know Jesus, would you simply pray for those who don't know him? If it's the desire of your heart to make it known that you want to enter a relationship with the master, Romans 10, 9 says, if we believe in our hearts that Jesus was risen from the dead, we will be saved. All we have to do is confess with our mouths and make it known. Pray with me. God, in the past and even to this day, I have been afraid. I have not wanted to give up the things in my life. 
I have buried them deep down. I have hoarded them. But today, I surrender my life to you. I make known that I am a sinner. I agree with you that I need your grace. I need the blood that was shed on the cross for me. And I accept you into my heart. I want to be part of your family. I say yes to you today. I make it known. I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart and I choose today to be saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen if you prayed that prayer. Hey, would you join me in thanking Lauren for the message she shared today? Yeah. Yeah, what a blessing, what a blessing. Hey, before we head out, I've got an announcement I think you're going to want to hear. We really believe that what we need more than ever in this season is praising God in prayer. So we're going to start something brand new up. It's called First Wednesday. And on the first Wednesday, uh, which is coming November 3rd, uh, we will gather together, if you're able to, on campus and online, but on campus, and we're going to worship and pray and seek God together. Don't you guys love that? By the way, we're going to make the time 6.30. From that point on, our Wednesday night service will move to 6.30 p.m. And so we'll do it at 6.30 p.m. on the first Wednesday. Uh, we'll meet live and online. Uh, then, by the way, we'll also do that the first Wednesday in December, first Wednesday in January. And uh, we'll let you know what's happening beyond that. Uh, but we're looking forward to doing that. Can't wait to do it. We encourage you to come. Get ready to really experience God in a special, special way. By the way, if you're going to be watching online, Pam and I want to get with you, our online people, and have a very special prayer time with you. So here will be special. Online will be special. We'll have full children's program, which will be special. So it's just going to be a great time together. By the way, if you need prayer today, uh, and you're on campus, as you leave the building, if you go to the chapel, we have people who would love to pray with you and be with you. So if you need prayer today, as you go out, head out those doors, turn left, and we have people in chapel who want to pray with you. If you're online, go to crossroadschurch.family, and we can also uh, set up a way to pray for you too. But as you go today, may you go understanding God's hand of love upon you in a special way. May you go seeing things that you've not even noticed or seen before as God opens your eyes to the world around you and the people around you. May you go being filled with the Holy Spirit. God bless you and have a great day. Thanks again for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, we hope that you would text the word amen to 77247 so that we can provide you with some resources along this journey. If this message resonated with you, uh, we hope that you would uh, just let us know in the comments. And if you have a prayer need, let us know in the comments as well, because our team reads through every comment and loves interacting with you. If this message added value to your life, go ahead and click the subscribe button so that you never miss any messages from us. We're live on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Sundays at 9 a.m. and on demand after that. 
Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.